You see, kids know the power of asking. Somehow they realize that this concept of not condemning but having a conversation matters. There's a quote from Ken Coleman that says, good questions inform, but great questions transform. Hey everyone, my name is Kelvin. Welcome to another episode and a message episode from Elevate Retake. Glad that you're listening in. On today's message, we are going to be continuing our series, Righteousness by Heart, and Pastor Samu is going to take us into the next part, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. The title of the message is called Ask, Seek, and Knock. We hope that you're blessed. Here's Samu. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. This morning, I want to thank Pastor Michael for the opportunity to share a few words with you all and continuing our series, Righteousness by Heart. And we have begun the series a few weeks back, and we have taken a look at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and we are now in 7. And we are coming to a close with this series soon. But before we get into the word this, uh, this morning, let us invite the best teacher and the best preacher to be with us. As we begin, let's pray. Holy Spirit, it's your time to show up and show out. Be with us. Bless the words that are spoken. May it bring ho- uh, words. May it be words of hope and affirmation. There is somebody here, Lord, that uh, needs to hear what will be spoken today. Open our hearts to receive your word today. This I pray in your name. Amen. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays down the foundation of theology in Matthew chapters 5 and 6. And in chapter 7, he gives us the application of principles or theology on how we ought to interact with him, with others, and with ourselves. And as a recap from last week, uh, the great sermon from Pastor Michael, he talked about how we ought not to judge in our interaction with others. It's not so much talking about judgment and discernment, but talking about judgment and condemnation. And today we'll continue our series, Righteousness by Heart, looking at the uh, next following verses, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12. And it's on the screen as I read it for us this morning. Verses 7 and 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find... Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who is and he or he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. My guess is that when we have heard these uh these couple of verses, the uh it has been taught or has been preached to us in the in the context of prayer, talking about prayer. But may I suggest uh, that we take a a different approach in looking at these next two verses, a different perspective. And I invite you to uh, stay with me as we begin this train of thought, uh, looking at these two verses uh, from different lens and from, from a different uh, perspective this morning. See, I believe verses 1 to 12, there in chapter 7, is one thought by Jesus. You see, in verse 1, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. Then in verse 12, it says, therefore, a conjunction, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. 
It's as if he begins verse 1 with judge not. And then in chapter, and in verse 12, there's that therefore, there's an opposite statement that he makes. See, I don't think verses 7 and 8 are about prayer according to this context. But we ask God for something. I think Jesus instead is giving us the principles about how we ought to approach and interact with others. If we go back to verses 4 and 5, he's talking about do not judge and worry about the only speck in your eyes. And in verse 6, he talks about pearls and swine. Translation, don't impose truth on others. Don't try and shove it down their throat. Why? Because truth imposed is not truth received. And then from verse 6, he goes directly into verse 7. Ask, seek, a knock. You see, in the context, I think the two verses that follow verse 6 is talking about Jesus is giving us principles on how we ought to interact with others. Ask, knock, and seek. So this morning, we're going to go through each one. Ask, knock, and seek with the lenses that Jesus has given us the principles on how we ought to interact with our loved ones, how we ought to interact with the community around us. So let's look, take a closer look at the next one, ask. You see, asking is not a debate, or it's not forcing your way in. When someone is in close proximity, ask. You see, asking allows you to stand with somebody rather than against somebody. What do you say? It's okay. Have a conversation. Ask. Ask the brother why he doesn't like pineapples on pizza. Ask the sister, what does she really see in him? Hmm. Ask the brother, why does he cheer for the cowboys? Amen. Oh, amen. Yes. yes. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> You see, there's great power in asking. What if the world, instead of having more condemnation, we had more conversations? It's interesting, there was a study done a couple years ago, and they gathered together a bunch of four-year-olds, and uh, the focus of the study was to find out how many questions can a four-year-old ask in a single day? In the conclusion of the study, they found that a four-year-old averages 437 questions a day. You see, kids know the power of asking. Somehow they realize that this concept of not condemning but having a conversation matters. There's a quote from Ken Coleman that says, good questions inform but great questions transform. You know who knew this concept of asking as well? Jesus. If you look into the all four Gospels, it says that Jesus asked over 300 questions there in his interaction with others. There doing his ministry here on earth. He asked a lot of questions. And here are some of the questions. In Matthew 8, 26, 
Why are you afraid? He's talking to the disciples, right? They're in the midst of the sea. Christ is asleep. And he asked the question, why are you afraid? Matthew 6, 15. Who do you say I am? Talking to Peter, I believe. And then we have Matthew 14, 31. Why do you doubt? And this is when Jesus is walking on the sea and the disciples are afraid and scared. And in Luke 18, he has a conversation with a rich young ruler. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. John 4, verse 7. Remember that conversation that he has with the woman. It begins with a question. Will you give me a drink? It begins with him asking. John 8, verse 10. Who condemns you? And this is the question that he poses to the woman who was caught in, the, caught in adultery. And they were about to, ready to stone her to death. And it says that Jesus gets on his knees and begins to write there in the dirt. By the way, as a side note, this is not in the notes. You know why Jesus wrote their sins in, in dirt? You see, anything that's written in stone is permanent. But anything that's written in dirt can be wiped away. <laughs> Praise the Lord, we have a Jesus who has the power to wipe away our sins. Do you think Jesus knew the answer to every question that he posed? I think so. So why did he ask the questions that he asked? Or have you found it interesting that at times he answered a question with a question? By the way, my, my wife hates when I do this to her. She asks me a question, I respond with a question. Sometimes she says, how are you doing? And I respond, how are you doing? What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? You see, I think Jesus was not so much interested in clarity, but he's more interested in having the conversation. He's more interested in uh, interacting with others so that he could connect. You see, the mindset that he has was kingdom building. And the mindset that we ought to have in our asking of others and in our wanting to connect with others and in us wanting to have a conversation and, and, and asking questions is not so much to inform us, but that there might be transformation that takes place because you and I are tasked with not filling pews, but filling people. You and I are tasked with building God's kingdom. Ask. Have a conversation. And then he goes to seek. Right from ask, he goes to seek. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The next slide, please. It reads, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see this verse, the context of this verse is it takes place after the story of Zacchaeus, after the experience that Zacchaeus and Jesus have. You see, Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. And you gotta understand that back then, tax collectors were looked upon as people who were the worst of sinners, looked upon as people who were beyond hope, were looked upon as people who had no business in the church. So not only was Zacchaeus somebody who was a tax collector, but he was the boss. And it says that he's up there in the tree seeking Jesus from afar, but up on high but says that Jesus seeks after Zacchaeus. 
And he tells Zacchaeus, come down because I want to go to your house today because salvation has come into your house. You see, our seeking of God or of Jesus is not so, really, not so much really our seeking after him. It's really Jesus seeking after us. And I want to pose this question, how are we seeking others? In our homes, in a community, at work? Are we seeking them for our benefits or are we seeking out our loved ones for the benefit of the kingdom? How is our interaction in seeking others? Maybe there's some distance between them and I, them and you. And like Jesus, he comes and he seeks out Zacchaeus, where there is distance there on the tree, up on high. He says, come down, for I have been seeking you out. Salvation has come to your house today. And then we have Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Next slide. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus, Jesus has been seeking after you and I from the day we were born till today. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even in our times when we chose to do wrong, when we knew what was right, even in our times where he gave us direction, but we went the other way. Jesus continues to seek after us. To seek people out, be present, show up. And then we come to knock. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it reads, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. It's interesting that uh, Jesus gives this visual of him knocking on the door of our hearts. You see, in society back then, uh, the government of Rome was in charge. And the Roman soldiers, it was their practice that whenever they wanted hospitality, whenever they wanted something to eat, and they could find it in your house, there was no knocking, there was no asking. They will kick down the door and force their way in and ask for something to eat, ask for a place to sleep for the night. And it wasn't so much asking, it wasn't so much seeking, it was just tearing down the door of your house and demanding that you serve them that day. Instead, Jesus gives the opposite illustration that he's knocking and he's asking for permission. See, this is the way to operate on the foundation of love, on the foundation of choice. There is a Danish, a quote by a Danish theologian, and his name is Soren, next slide please, Soren, and I'll just say Soren K. I don't want to butcher his last name, all right? <laughs> it says, all the power in the world cannot unlock the door to the human heart. It must be opened from the inside. See, we love as a way to influence. We knock as a way to influence. We seek, we ask, and we knock. So I believe that Jesus has given us these two verses, these principles on how we ought to interact 
with others in our lives, how we ought to interact with others in our circle, or even how we ought to, how, how we ought to interact with those who don't agree with us, who those who may be our enemies. Ask, seek, and knock. And you're probably saying, okay, what do we do with verses 9 to 11? Let's go there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 to 11 reads, Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Verse 10, Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give you, give him a serpent. Verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, I think we read these two verses in the context of our interaction with others. And I believe that this is the element where prayer, or this is the part where the element of prayer comes in. You see, Jesus has given us the principles in verse 7 and 8, ask, seek, and knock. And in verses 9 to 11, he then gives us an illustration of the power of asking, the power of seeking, and the power of knocking, and what it looks like. Prayer. And in the context of our, of our interaction with others, I think he's not talking about prayer where we ask for whatever we want and then we get it. You know, as I was uh, uh, studying this verse, uh, I was looking back on the prayers that I have made in the past. I said, thank you, Lord, that you haven't answered some of those prayers. You guys ever thought, pondered upon prayers you have made in the past and today you're like, thank you, Lord, that you didn't answer those prayers. But instead, the prayer in the context of what we're reading here, the prayer that he's referring to is intercessory prayer. When was the last time you stood in the gap in prayer for somebody? When was the last time you interceded in prayer on someone's behalf? Where you truly went on your knees for somebody else and asked and seek and knocked upon the doors of heaven. I believe in these verses, in these verses, Jesus is not so much focused on the technique of praying or the skill of praying, but his focus is on the character of the one to whom we pray to. It's just that in verse 11, I believe, uh, or in, yeah, in verse 11, Jesus reminds us, you being evil. He's making a comparison to the good father and to him, God. Thus, he has given us these principles, ask, seek, and knock, and given us the illustration of intercessory prayer. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it reads, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. See, I believe that this is the lens to which we look at verses 1 to 11. Therefore, after hearing what has been said, verses 1 to 11, here is the sum of all this, do unto others 
as you would want them to do unto you. And the best example we have of this is Jesus himself. Jesus is the embodiment of the golden rule. Jesus is the best example that we have of this golden rule. There's a quote by my favorite author, Auntie Ellen, in Mount of Blessings, page 134. The standard of our obligation to others is found in what we ourselves would regard as their obligation to us. In your association with others, put yourself in their place. Enter into their feelings, their difficulties, their disappointments, their joys, and their sorrows. And making the connection in the season that we are in, Christmas, the holidays, and making the connection for the reason for the season. We remember that in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And why would he do this? Why would he come and become flesh? Why would, why would the creator become like the created? Because he wanted to enter into our feelings. He wanted to enter into our difficulties. He wanted to enter into our disappointments, into our joys and into our sorrows. He's the best example of how we ought to interact with others. He's the best, he's the best example we have of the golden rule. So today, he continues to seek, ask, and knock in his interaction with you and I. Jesus is knocking on the door of our hearts and he continues to seek out, seek us out, especially in the times when we seem lost. And he is asking us today, would you allow him to come and sit on the throne of your heart? So in our interaction with others, we are posed with the engage question. How do we ask? How do you ask? How do you seek? And how do you knock? The reason for this season, God are with us because he needs us, he wants us, and he loves us. Hey everyone, my name is Kelvin. Glad that you were able to finish and make it to this point of the episode and hear the wonderful message that God had for us through Pastor Semu. Thank you so much again, and if you feel like you were impressed, changed, convicted in some way by this message, I'd encourage you to share it with a family member or a friend. You don't know the blessing that you could be to someone else. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and uh, make sure to follow us on the Anchor app as well where you can leave us a voice message and do all that fun stuff through Spotify and Anchor. Also stay tuned for the retake episode coming out in your feed where we'll take this message and dissect it even more practically so that you can take the lessons and apply them to your life today. My name is Kelvin and I'll see you next time.